Welcome to Living Through the Word, the podcast ministry of the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word, a diocese of the Anglican Church in North America. I'm Julian Dobbs, the diocesan bishop and host of this podcast. And this week I'm joined by the Reverend John Dobbs, minister of the Forsyth Church of Christ in Monroe, Louisiana, and author of the blog, Out Here Hope Remains, Grace Dependent Faith. Uh, Pastor Dobbs, just so great to have you with us. Thank you for uh, joining us. And what a great name you have. You and I share the same last name. I think that's a remarkable coincidence. Uh, but thank you for having me on. It's my honor, and it's quite a privilege. We both have accents, brother, um, uh, but we have different accents, but a shared confessed faith uh, in our wonderful, wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's, of course, uh, what unites us. I want to talk to you a little bit on this episode about some things you've written and said to help pastors care for themselves. And I found that really very helpful. Um, on, on May 10, you published an article on your blog entitled The Coming Pastoral Crash, a piece designed to address an arising crisis that you see developing in this new COVID-19 world. Uh, this went uh, somewhat viral in the ministry world and was referred to uh, me by many, uh, by several of the clergy under my care as bishop. So I want to discuss some of those observations with you today. Uh, but first, tell me a little bit about you and your experience as a pastor and your background from which you made these observations. Sure. Thanks for uh, for noticing that when I sat down to write that article. I really was just sort of pouring out my heart because there were so many things swirling around in my mind. And I am uh, part of a uh, Facebook group that has about 800 ministers in it. And I could see through the posts that people were making that I wasn't alone in struggling with some of these things that all related to the response to COVID-19 and, and mostly to the confusion that comes from that response. This is not something we've been a part of before. In our community or in our state, at one time, Louisiana was number two in the saturation of COVID-19. Most of that related to New Orleans, and I think a spike that came as a result of Mardi Gras celebrations, but it spread throughout our state. And even in our parish, uh, the report today there are 1,300 cases of COVID-19 in our parish today. So we have been struggling with this in our state. Our governor has done a terrific job of guiding us uh, through the process. He's had a lot of criticism for it, but also a lot of cooperation. So I think things are better. Uh, we're moving into phase two of recovery. And uh, so in, in our setting, it feels like, there are a lot of people who've said, okay, well, we're getting better, so it's all over with. And you know, my fear is uh, that that could precipitate uh, an even greater outbreak at some point. But, but serving as a minister, I've been a minister at Forsyth Church for 12 years. So I feel very much at home here in Monroe and in that church and among those people. And we have had uh, one member who has had COVID-19, but we haven't been meeting, so our church wasn't exposed as a church to that. 
but we still wonder what the next steps are. How do we approach? What do we do next? And it is kind of uh, foggy ahead. We don't really know. We're just kind of following our best guess. We're praying. We're seeking God's guidance and attempting to do all we can to be safe and also to not be fearful, which is kind of a fine line to walk. Mm. Mm. Well, thank you so much for all the incredible wisdom and insight and concern uh, for pastors that I know that you have in your heart and that you've expressed. Uh, You wrote these words, our pastoral care providers are maxed out. While some church members might think their preacher's duties are relaxed, but it's actually the opposite. As we head into the coming months, I believe we're going to see the effects of this pandemic on the ministers of all denominations. So, Pastor Dobbs, um, what is increasing the pastor's duties during this pandemic? I was uh, I was uh, talking with a pastor not from our own Anglican church recently, and he said some of the people in my church are wondering if they should continue to pay me. So just just talk to a little us a little bit about that, and and what's increasing uh, for the pastors at the current time. Yes, so I have heard that from other ministers as well, that that conversation happened. I don't know if it was in jest. I, I, I still wouldn't like it if it was just being humorous. But um, but I do think that there are people who say, well, you're not having to do all the stuff you used to do, so why should we continue to pay you? I, I think that's such a, a poor way to look at how ministers are paid. In, in my mind, we're supported to do mission work. We're not paid by the hour or paid by the duty. And so to me, that is, is, is just a really poor way to look at, at how ministers are paid. So, Pastor Dobbs, um, what, what is increasing in the pastor's life, uh, in his duties during this pandemic? Well, it's part of it relates to the new technology we're having to adopt. We're not in our small church. We're not used to being on Facebook Live or to uh, trying to get the services out electronically. And so that's quite a challenge with cameras and microphones and and uh, trying to just set up everything. Uh, and also we have a heart for wanting to reach out to our church, but we for uh, a month or so were under a stay-at-home order. So we couldn't go just visit around to people's homes. We try to uh, we had an effort to call every member several times during the first several weeks, and uh, our church elders did that, and uh, that was uh, that was really good. But also, it, it took a lot of energy in doing things we don't always do, and and then also just I think the concern that people have, the care that the ministers have, that I want to do something that matters during this time, but there's so much. Uh, in our own minds about how do we do that with the restrictions in place, that it it sort of shuts us down a little bit. It shuts me down a little bit, I'll say that. Uh, And so it it becomes a a a seven-day-a-week effort instead of um, taking a day for Sabbath or recreation. It seems like there's no time or ability to do that. So it really is kind of emotionally crushing uh, it's technologically challenging. It's pastorally uh, almost impossible to work with. Uh, 
And so I think all those things are sort of a perfect storm of how does a minister cope with all of those things at one time? And so I think that's why uh, I wrote the article and, and why I see that our ministry load has increased, not decreased. Do you think some of it also, Pastor Dobbs, has to do with um, the lack of normalcy for people when not able to go regularly on a Sunday morning to the churches? And even if churches have been able to open up, as a number have around our diocese, and not all of them, but a number have begun to do so, the style of worship, the ability uh, to uh, continue to engage uh, pastorally with one another uh, in ways uh, that uh, Sunday has been so disrupted. Is, is that part of what's unsettled people? Um, and, 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 and do you think that has anything to do with why people are saying, where the heck's my pastor? Yeah, I, I definitely believe that. I, I, for me, uh, my week goes Sunday to Sunday. You know, I'm, I'm always looking forward to Sunday or thinking back, okay, how, what, did we, what happened Sunday that could have been better or we could have worked with? So everything is around the axis of Sunday. And I think for a lot of Christians, the members of our churches, it's that way too. They, uh, you know, Sunday has a permanent place in their life. And I was saying to somebody about six weeks into this, I can't remember six weeks in my life when I didn't go to church six weeks in a row. That This is a brand new experience and it's unsettling to our spiritual life. It's, uh, and 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 you're right that some churches are starting to open. Uh, we're going to be meeting for the first time this coming Sunday, trying to follow the state's recommended guidelines, which makes it difficult. And again, that's a, another stressor. How do we do it in the best way um, and also in a meaningful way? But I do think one of the blessings of technology is that for most of our church members, I've been in touch with them almost every day. Uh, I tried to engage with questions on Facebook, but we do have um, probably half a dozen or so members, older members that, that don't have Facebook and they don't have a smartphone and it's been hard to stay in touch. So I do think it's not just when I wrote this, I knew there was a danger of, People thinking that I think pastors have it worse than anyone else. I don't. But since that's my life, that's what I'm reflecting on. And I think that it has been a great challenge. And it's been a great challenge for our church members, too. Pastor Dobbs, uh, my producer, Mark Steele, is also a minister and has a theory he calls something like this, the COVID compound interest of pastoral stress. And he believes that pastors are deferring critical self-care this year because this pandemic has forced them to take what are usually considered multi-year projects and pulling them off in a week or less. Now, you've mentioned some of those. Uh, each project uh, becomes a time-sensitive crucible. For instance, it usually takes a year or so for a church to develop an online service presence. Uh, but this year, because of covid We've all, most of us, had to do this in, in seven days or less. Um, pastoral visitation practices are developed over years at a parish or a congregation, uh, but many clergy have had to practice a new model since March. 
Uh, I've listened to uh, clergy have to, having to uh, take their first online funeral services, uh, baptisms being held in very unusual circumstances. And we, we look at reopening. Our pastors are essentially preparing for, for grand reopenings, but that's not always going to be possible. And these kinds of events usually happen towards the end of a year, years of church planting, uh, and there are going to be waves of these relaunches throughout the years to come as health restrictions lift, uh, Christian education programs, for example, uh, small group studies, discipleship, leader development programs, how we're going to have communion, will all need to be retold and uh, restarted. So uh, he calls it the COVID compound interest of pastoral stress. And what say you? Do you agree with that? And and what words of advice might you have for pastors in the middle of this season in which they're, they're just challenging, uh, being challenged in so many ways? Right. I do agree. That's a great way to, to describe this, uh, I, because I think that part of what's happening for us as ministers personally is that we can be sacrificing our own mental and spiritual health for the sake of this dynamic ministry uh, challenge and all the things that you just described. And we're, we're challenged in a lot of ways. One uh, is that, you know, we're, we're not taking care of ourselves physically. Uh, I don't really like to talk about that. My, uh, I'm not uh, the size that I probably ought to be. And in uh, this time of, of worry and stress, I've eaten things I shouldn't have eaten and, and more of it. And so, you know, we can laugh about it. And I've heard, seen lots of humor about uh, eating our way through the pandemic, but it's not going to that's not going to be funny in the ER. It's not going to be funny in months to come as we deal with trying to overcome that. So physically, um, not, not being healthy. And then I think mentally just not taking time off, not taking time to pray and to take care of our spiritual life. Um, I think there's still a mental health stigma for people who seek out therapy and I do think that ministers ought to be uh, interested in talking to people who can understand and care, who can be confidential. Uh, and I think that all of these things put us, as I mentioned in the article, in a kind of dangerous spiritual territory as well, because uh, when we're weakened spiritually, physically, emotionally, all of these different ways, it's very easy to fall into uh, numbing the pain with either drugs or alcohol or pornography or gluttony or just sitting down and watching hours and hours of television, anything to excess. And so all these things, I think, for pastors in particular, because most of us are not clocking in, you know, we don't, we don't keep hours as such. Uh, we don't always have somebody looking over our shoulder to make sure we're doing the job correctly. Um, we have a lot of freedom, and in that freedom is danger of falling into some traps that can really, really make a a, a devastating have a devastating effect upon us. So I, I don't know. I think ministers. I think it's. I think the answers are somewhat simple. I don't think that there's some great complex plan we have to enact. I think, for at least for me, um, I think ministers need to be committing to ministering to their own heart, 
taking care of themselves, making sure that they are staying connected to God, spending time in the Word and prayer, fasting, uh, whatever they need to do to stay connected to the Lord. Uh, and then I think we need to look out for each other. We've have most of us have relationships with other ministers, and we need to hear them and speak into their lives and let them know they're not alone. Uh, most of our parishioners probably don't understand what the life of a minister is like. They they love us. I really believe that. Uh, they support us, but they haven't lived that life just like we haven't lived their life and know what their profession is like. And so ministers can help each other in ways that I think no one else can. Talk to me just a little bit about um, what we might call the comparison trap, looking at a church down the road who's got all the resources, um, comparing ourselves with someone who's opened earlier, thinking about another pastor who seems just to have it all together, um, thinking about uh, what might have been and what seems to be somewhere else. Why is this a problem for ministers? We seem to always want to compare ourselves to someone else. You find another minister you're having coffee with, and you carefully ask, what size is your congregation? just so you can try and compare where they're at. Um, three words about that practice. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do that. Uh, it, is a, it is a dangerous trap to fall into. It creates envy and, uh, and it creates self-doubt. And uh, I'm, we, each church has its own flavor, I like to say. We have our own sort of, this is who we are. And, and we want to be the best uh, the best disciples of Jesus that we can be as we've gathered together. And another church is reaching people that we couldn't possibly reach. We're reaching people they couldn't reach. And so we rejoice when all throughout the city, all faith families are preaching and uh, Jesus and teaching people about the Lord and having success. We want to rejoice with them in that. And on the flip side of that, we do not want to say, why can't we be more like them? Or why can't we have what they have? Why haven't we grown the way they've grown? I think those are just, it might be natural for ministers to start doing introspection like that, but it's not healthy. Uh, it's, it's not a realistic approach to anything. And I think that's probably true in every career field, but in ministry, um, so much of it is related to our faith and praying and, and asking God to bless our work. And then, Sometimes we go through periods of time where we don't see the harvest we'd like to see. And we forget that, you know, what we're doing is planting and watering and the harvest is not up to us. It's up to God. So we can really hurt ourselves, hurt our uh, encouragement levels by always being focused on other people. And, and in this setting is so true. I mean, some churches in our city were already set up with cameras. They were already doing Facebook and YouTube and online services on their website. And, and uh, we just have to learn to rejoice with them and then do our best. But uh, it is kind of, it is a challenge to us to say, wow, look at that production. Uh, one of our churches in our city did a beautiful job one night of, they went up on a, uh, about a 13 or 14 story building that's out by the river and at sunset, they had their praise team out on the deck 
up 14 stories over the river at sunset, and they've got a drone showing footage, you know, going around. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And we're in a back room trying to get an iPad hooked up to, to Facebook, you know, to do a broadcast. So there's just no comparing. We just have to rejoice with, um, with those who, who do what they do and, and just try to do our best. But it is, it is a challenge. I mean, honestly, you, you wish that you were a little further along, but we just, you know, we are, we are where we are and we are who we are. And I think God will bless sometimes those who have a low key presentation. Uh, somebody else might watch and say, wow, that's a really big production. They may be drawn to that, or they may be drawn to the more intimate, low-key production. And I think God uses all of it. And so we just have to be confident that God's using our efforts to bless other people. Isn't it wonderful how we can find God in the still, small voice mm. um, as he whispers to us? And yet, too, we can find him in the large gatherings that no doubt many people listening to this episode have been part of, of thousands upon thousands of Christians or hundreds upon hundreds who have gathered together in one place to worship God. And then as we daily pause to read the Bible and, and to pray, the Lord is there walking through the waters, he's there. Uh, through the flames, he's there. And it's just so very reassuring to us. I'm speaking to the Reverend John Dobbs, who's the minister of the Forsyth Church of Christ in Monroe, Louisiana. He's the author of a blog, Out Here Hope Remains, Grace Dependent Faith. And uh, earlier last month, he published an article on his blog entitled The Coming Pastoral Crash, a piece that was designed to address the arising crisis that we've seen developing in and amongst pastors in the post uh, and, and present COVID-19 uh, world. Um, Pastor Dobbs, uh, great name again. Uh, we're not related physically, but um, uh, uh, we're related, of course, as brothers in Christ, which is uh, such a precious a relationship yeah. to have. Yeah. Um, uh, you talk a little bit about vulnerability uh, and mention several factors that lead to the type of exhaustion and the words of advice that you have for pastors who find themselves so very vulnerable. Speak to us a little bit about that. Because some people listening to this who are not pastors, and you've referenced a little of this, might think, why are these, these pastors so vulnerable? But just, just help, help non-pastors understand that. It, it is hard to understand. And uh, I do think that uh, people who haven't walked in our shoes can't really can't really see it as clearly, just like we can't see as clearly in their field of work what's going on with them. But one of the things about uh, pastoral work is it's not just a job. It's not a, a nine to five. You don't clock in and clock out. You're, you're on call 24 hours a day. You Your heart goes out to the people. You really put everything you have into it. And there might be other fields of work like that, like if you own your own business and you just pour yourself into it. But it's not like a lot of jobs that you just go there and do your job and you set it down and you go home and don't think about it again until you go back. And ministry is not like that. It's 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 always you're always on. You're always thinking about how does this impact what we're trying to do and uh, and that's why I think this COVID nineteen situation, the pandemic is such a powerful force in our life because 
it is it's an overwhelming uh, uh, our associate minister called it a tsunami he said it's not like we could prepare for it and we saw it coming it's like one day we're sitting around talking about a list of things and we never even mentioned the pandemic and the next day and from then on that's all we talk about is the pandemic it just came upon us so suddenly and even though if you watch the news there were reports of this and that but we we just couldn't see how it was going to impact all of us. And so I think really as we uh, in Louisiana moved into phase two and, and hopefully in 21 days, we'll, we'll go into phase three and, and start to open up everything as much as possible. I think pastors are going to have a residual emotional or mental impact with this. And here's how I relate it to myself and my own experience uh, uh, 12 years ago, uh, we suffered the loss of our 18-year-old son. And in going to grief groups, grief support groups, and reading grief literature, it, over the months, I, I would at different times say to myself, as I would look back and say, oh, I've really been in a deep fog and I can see clearer now. I can, I feel better and then six months later, I would say, oh, I just thought I was out of that fog, but now I can really see that. Um, and so it's kind of a gradual emergence out of the fog of grief. And I do think that what we're all experiencing is grief. It's a, it's a grief, a mourning of the loss of our regular life, our regular ministries, all the things we were planning and preparing for. It's, it's hard to even know what to preach this coming Sunday. I've always been... Uh, for the last several years, been a lectionary preacher, and we're in in the churches of Christ. We we don't do that a lot. Not all of us do that, but I have, and I've found it positive. But now I'm sort of uh, left that behind, and and I'm at at odds. What do I preach this Sunday? I don't even know what's going to happen in our country in the next few days. So I think when when we are finally feeling free. This is my concern, is that at some point when we kind of have gotten back to normal, the ministers who have been pushing full bore all the way through this cannot just breathe a sigh of relief and go back to life as it was. There's going to be a period of time where we're going to be still in the fog, still uncertain of how all this has impacted us. And over the months, we're going to look back and see clearer and clearer uh, see that we've been taking steps out of the fog of, of grief over the losses we've had. But while we're in it, it's really hard to see. So I, I guess I'm concerned that during that period of time, there are a lot of ministers who may give up, who may say, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't feel I'm connecting anymore. I'm effective anymore. And that's why I think it's really important to really pay attention to your heart, to really Keep relationships with other ministers who will speak into your life, because I think things will get better, uh, and 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 we will learn from all of this, and we'll reflect back in a couple of years and say, "Wow, look at all the stuff we learned about ministry during that time." But while we're in it, it's easy, and I'm afraid some will say, uh, "I'm through with that," and that'll mm -hmm. be a uh, that'll be harmful to the body of Christ. I think. Hmm. Mm, thank you so much for sharing that. If there if there are lay leaders, uh, and thank you also for sharing about your personal tragedy and uh, the way you 
continue to process that. That's that's very moving for us. If there are lay leaders, Pastor Dobbs, who are listening to us, thinking, how can I support my minister? I love him. Uh, he's a great teacher. He visits me and my family in the hospital. Uh, he provides um, ministry uh, for those who are shut in. He oversees uh, the church. He helps us engage in evangelism. Um, he, he, he helps us in our relationship with Christ. H- how might they support their pastors best? Great question. I, I really think that communicating in some way that I appreciate you. I'm grateful for your service and your ministry among us. And that can even be a text every once in a while. It could be an email, a call, take them out to have a cup of coffee or uh, lunch or something when when you can feel free to be out in the community. But um, I think that most people don't really think about uh, how do I support the one who supports me? You know, how do I encourage the one who's my encourager? And so I don't think it has to be big. It doesn't have to be big gifts or, you know, anything like that. I think the small expressions, a card in the mail, nobody sends cards anymore. Uh, and so, you know, everything is electronic. But every once in a while, we get a card in the mail from somebody that says, thank you. and I'm thinking of you. And and uh, and they don't have to say a lot. It doesn't have to be poetic. It just that somebody took the time to do that. It means a lot to us, and we save a lot of those cards and go back over and see them later. But I think a, a, a person who is especially close to a minister and has established that friendship, uh, gone to that kind of level of relationship, listening, just letting your minister talk to you and to be confident that that's where it stays. And I think that's why ministers are not very vulnerable with their members is because we're afraid that you know, if I tell you how I really feel, the next thing I know, there'll be 40 people in the church who know how I feel. And I really wasn't interested in telling all of them. I just needed to tell someone. And so a confidential friend, um, maybe I, I encourage ministers to have friends outside of the church, you know, that they can talk to. They're not impacted personally. But I think in the church, lay leaders can be a huge blessing by saying, I, I'm willing to hear you and I'm willing to to tell you that no one else will hear what you have to say. And what a gift that would be. So, Pastor Dobbs, you mentioned that you did not want to be a prophet of doom and you would write another article about steps that needed to be taken to avoid this impending crash. Um, you haven't published those yet. But um, can you give us just a little insight uh, as to what you might be thinking? Well, I started reading other blogs on this and articles on this subject, and I tried to link them uh, in my article because other people were writing about this. And some of them, you know, I couldn't relate to everything everybody wrote, but just the, you know, the common things that Again, I don't think there's some big complicated answer. I think it is the same relationship issues, you know, having relationships where people you can trust to talk to and ministering to your own heart. I mean, I ultimately, I haven't set on anything else that's going to be uh, that important, but I, I do hope to write more 
about that. I did write about the first Sunday back and what that feels like. I tried to center in more on how does it feel to be here and under these restrictions and it not being the kind of service we'd like it to be. And uh, because of that, some churches are just waiting to meet. They're waiting till they can express full fellowship and not worry about things. But I don't know how long that might be. So, uh, but but we do hope that I think as as time goes by, there's going to be more and more talk about ministers, especially if. And I hope I'm wrong. You know, I said that in there. I hope I'm totally wrong that the pastors have got a better grip on this than I think that there's not going to be this big crash where people are quitting and giving up on ministry because it's just burned them out. You know, I hope, I hope that's not going to happen, but I think it will happen for some people and, and it doesn't have to. So that's kind of my prayer with this article is just pouring it out and saying, I don't want to be, I don't want to quit. I don't want to give up. So I have to be careful not to let myself torch out here during this time of extreme pressure and just know that, you know, better times are coming. Out here, hope remains, grace-dependent faith, the blog of the Reverend John Dobbs, Minister of the Forsyth Church of Christ in Monroe, Louisiana. Pastor John, thank you so much for being with us on Living Through the Word. It's been great to have you. Well, thank you so much. It's a privilege and uh, really an honor to to be a part of this podcast. I've listened to some of your other ones, and, and it's really excellent. We'll post a link to Pastor Dobbs's blog uh, in the show notes of uh, our podcast for this episode. Let's have a prayer and go to the Lord using that wonderful prayer from the Anglican Prayer Book as we pray for pastors and congregations. Almighty and ever-living God, who alone works great marvels, send down now upon the clergy and congregations committed to their charge the life-giving spirit of your grace. Shower them with the continual dew of your blessing. Empower them to make disciples and ignite in them a zealous love of your gospel through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm Julian Dobbs, and this has been Living Through the Word. I commend you to God and to the word of His grace.